2 Chronicles, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, and one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon who had settled among them. For large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. At that time they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder they had brought back. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were to be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. They took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting and with trumpets and horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. This is God's word. Well, I would imagine that's a passage that may not be overly familiar to you. And so it's helpful for us to look at a little bit of background, both to this king and the events that surround this particular passage. If you turn back in your Bibles to chapter 14 and verse 2, you'll read there an assessment of Asa as, as king. It says, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. So he was one of the few godly kings who reigned in the southern kingdom of Judah. The story of Asa is a sad one, 
Because later on, you read that he lost his way in serving and following the Lord. But certainly in this early part of his reign, it was marked by not only a deep spiritual concern in his own heart, but also to see a spiritual reformation in Judah. And we're told in chapter 14 and verse 5 that the land had rest. This was a peace from the surrounding nations who had been consistently attacking them. But during those early years, Asa and Judah experienced a a frightening development. And that was the attack by Zerah the Cushite, who marched out against him, as you can read in 14 and verse 9, with a massive army. One of the ways of translating the, the Hebrew of that section is not just to say it was a vast army, but actually that you could estimate it at over a million troops. But we're told also in verse 11 that in those days Asa sought the Lord his God. And God heard his prayer, and so the Cushites were thoroughly defeated. And so it was that after those days, as we come into chapter 15, that God sent the prophet Atzariah, the son of Oded, to Asa. And Atzariah reminded Asa of what God had done in past times, and referring particularly to the time period associated with the book of Judges. We know from that period that there was uh, much going astray amongst the people of God, and God had to bring the surrounding nations against them uh, to cause them to come under conviction of their sinful ways, and so that he might then intervene on their behalf and deal with the enemies who are coming against them. And what we find here is that as Asa is reminded about that, he accepted the word of the Lord, he recognized that what the prophet was saying was true, and so he set about, in verse 8 of chapter 15, a second round of reforms. And it was at that time that the king and the people made a covenant together and with the Lord to seek him with all their heart and soul. And verse 15a, the last verse that was read to us, says, All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. And what was the result? Well, the Lord blessed them with rest on every side. In other words, there was a period when they were no longer enemies coming against them. And this seems to be what's implied by Asa being rewarded in verse 7. That God would hear his prayer, that he would protect him from his enemies, he would give him victory over his foes, and he would impose upon that whole region a period of peace and prosperity for the Lord's people. But as the passage was read to us, I'm I'm sure you you noticed verses 5 to 7 which could just as easily be a description of the days in which we live. Let's let's read them again. In those days it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the land were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. Now, what is it that we can learn from this and the way God cared for and kept his people then? Well, there are three things I think 
we can helpfully discern from what we've read in this passage. And the first of them is this. And in some ways, it's a fairly simple and yet very profound statement. And that is that God is sovereign over the events in the nations. God troubles the nations with every kind of distress. That was true in the days of the judges. It was true in the days of King Asa. And it's also true for us today. These distresses include wars and rumours of wars, famine, flood, earthquake and the like. But I want you to notice something else that's mentioned in verse 3. It also says that part of the way in which God disturbs and distresses the nations is that he withdraws his word. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. And it's with that as something of a background to what he says that we find that in the first chapter of the book of Romans, that when Paul talks about the way in which God's wrath is revealed, he points out that so very often it's in the withdrawal of God's presence and the withdrawal of God's blessing. The worst consequences of man's sin is that God actually gives us over to our sinful desires, to shameful lusts, and to depraved minds. I was struck when I was looking for particular hymns for us to sing uh, in this morning's service. The words of a hymn that was written by uh, John Newton in the 18th century. And uh, it says this. It's a hymn that's like a prayer. How long, O Lord, have you bestowed your care upon our rebel land? Of all the nations, few, O God, have known such blessings from your hand. Here many godly people dwelt as once the glorious gospel shone. Long uninvaded we had felt that you had made your cause, our cause rather, your own. But heaven and earth have clearly heard our wild rejection of that love. We, though like children kindly reared, ungrateful and rebellious, prove. Your grace despised, your power defied, and legions of the vilest crimes, the foulest sins of lust and pride, all greatly mark the present times. Lord, hear your people everywhere who meet to mourn, confess, and pray. The nation and your churches spare, and let your wrath be turned away. When you read through that hymn, you could imagine that it was somebody living in either the 20th or the 21st century who'd written it. Not that it was from those centuries ago. But this ought not to surprise us. Because the sinful human heart is largely the same in every generation and every culture. As the author of Ecclesiastes says, there's, there's actually nothing new under the sun. Either that relates to man's morality, his fallenness, his sinfulness, or for that matter, to the holy righteousness of God and his justice that does not change. 
The impact and influence of unrestrained sin is the same in all parts of the world and in every period of history. That's why these words from Romans chapter 3 are true in every age. There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Of course, that's good in the terms in which God describes goodness. And if that's the state of things with respect to the human heart, then we should expect also that God's judgment is the same too. God troubles the nations with every kind of distress, including times of war. Now, of course, this does not justify the wicked actions of individuals or armies or whole nations. The invasion of East Ukraine and the awful events that have flowed from that can never be justified. The brutal inhuman actions of Hamas against Jewish settlements can never be justified. But the awful loss of lives in Palestine due to Israeli bombing cannot be justified. But nevertheless, the wickedness of men does accomplish a greater divine purpose. And the wickedness of men will be brought to account. We will all be brought to account for what we've said and done. As Peter said about the actions of the Jewish leaders at the time when the Lord Jesus was crucified, he said, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Peter understood that in the midst of a great evil, God was accomplishing an even greater good. You see, God is sovereign over all events and is working out his eternal purposes that ultimately will redound to his glory, honor, and praise. And we can know that the Lord's promised rest will be experienced even in the midst of his acts of judgment when we trust him. Didn't the Lord Jesus say to us, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God is sovereign over the events of the nations. The Lord Jesus Christ is upon the throne. And he calls his people to find rest in him and his sovereign rule over all things that will ultimately accomplish the eternal purposes of God. But the second thing I think we can learn from this passage is this, that God is found by those who earnestly seek him. Now this is guaranteed in more than one place in the scriptures. But you will find that the emphasis is upon seeking God sincerely. Seeking him earnestly. Look at what Atzerai the prophet says in, in verse 2. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, 
he will forsake you. The Lord doesn't have to be sought because he hides himself from us. He doesn't have to be sought because he makes things, makes the matter difficult to find him. No, we have to seek him earnestly because it's our sin that separates us from him. And it's only when our sin has been dealt with that we are able to find the rest, the peace that is found in him. We need to know, first of all, his merciful loving kindness. Another of the prophets, Jeremiah, who prophesied somewhat later, he said, As you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. In other words, the encouragement given to Asa by the prophet Azariah is only possible for those who truly seek the Lord in the way that he is appointed. And what does that mean? How do we seek the Lord? Well, the first thing we should notice in verse 4 is that it means to turn away from reliance on anyone else or anything else and rely solely on the Lord. Another way of stating that is that we have to have an attitude of repentance, of recognizing that our own thoughts and imagines, uh, imaginations are not going to lead us in the right direction. They're not going to bring us to the Lord. But when we truly forsake those things that our sinful hearts would naturally be inclined to turn to and to turn to the Lord, then we're on the right path to finding him. It's also true that in, in chapter 14 in verse 4, we're reminded that Asa and the people knew a true fear of the Lord and of his holiness. We're told that Asa sought to obey the laws and commands of the Lord. And he challenged the people to do the same. And as they did that, verse 11 in chapter 14 tells us that they were earnest in prayer, confessing both their own smallness and weakness and God's mighty power. Of course, there was a need for them to rightly know God through his word. And in these last days in which we live, we too need to be clear that we understand who God is, not according to modern ideas or modern philosophies, but according to the revelation that God has given to us in his word. And that revelation that points so clearly and singularly to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we come to the one who reveals himself in his word and through his son, we make sure that we rely on the God-given way for our sin to be dealt with. Did you notice in verse 11 of chapter 15, the extraordinarily large number of sacrifices that were offered? Now, I'm not going to past comments so much on that for the moment, except to notice that there was a recognition during that time of reform that they needed to be right with God. And the way that God had ordained in his covenant commitments to them through his commands was that when they sincerely brought sacrifice, God would hear their cry 
and he would forgive their sin. And it's the same for us too. If we're truly going to seek God, if we're truly going to know him as he can be known, then we've got to approach him in the way that he has provided. And that is only through the Lord Jesus Christ and the finished work that he accomplished on the cross. And then to be serious about our relationship with the Lord. Look at verse 12 of chapter 15. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. As chapter 15 verse 2 reminds us, he is only with us when we are with him. And we're only truly with him when we know that what would separate us from him, our sin, has been rightly dealt with and that we are sincerely seeking after walking in the ways of the Lord. It's only then that we can know the peace that God alone can give. Rest for the soul through a right relationship with God. It's only then that we could sing a hymn that actually has its 150th anniversary later this week. It's the hymn by Horatio Spafford. It is well with my soul. You, you probably know the background to that hymn. Spafford had lost most of his business interests and then subsequently he lost his four daughters in an incident at sea when they were crossing the, Atlant uh, the Atlantic. And it was while he was seeking to come to terms with those things that he wrote the hymn, When Peace Like a River. He knew what it was to seek God, to know God in his sovereignty, and to trust God in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God is found by those who earnestly seek him and seek him in the way that he has appointed. And then thirdly, and lastly, God strengthens those who seek him and he gives them peace. God strengthens those who seek him and he gives them peace. In verse 7 of the chapter, we find that uh, Atzariah, speaking the word of God to Asa, challenged him to be strong and not to give up. He wasn't to give up on the spiritual reforms that he was bringing about in Judah and Jerusalem. He, he wasn't to give up on trusting the Lord even though he might encounter dire circumstances. And at that time, Asa and the people took the Lord at his word. And as we've seen in verse 15, they sought God eagerly and he was found by them. And so the Lord gave them rest on every side. In fact, it was such a witness and such a testimony that in verse 9, we're told that there were those in the northern kingdom who abandoned what was happening there because they could see that it was completely apostate and they came south to live in Judah so that they might be under King Asa's rule and that they might know the spiritual blessings that the nation was experiencing. 
But this exhortation to find strength was not an exhortation to find strength in themselves. They were to find their strength in the Lord. That's exactly what had happened in the past. Verse 4 tells us, But in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. And Asa saw that that was also the need for his own day. As he trusted the Lord, he would give them the strength to press on in their relationship with him. He would give them strength to continue the reformation of their lives. And he would stand with them in the face of testing times that were sure to come. This was the way that the Lord rewarded Asa in those days. He had rest on every side. And it's the same for us today. The times in which we are living confront us with many challenges. Challenges that are nearby and then challenges that are far away in other parts of the world. And we, we know that there will be these distressing times. Jesus has said that there will be. Here in this passage, we're told that God distresses the nations. And God troubles people when they increasingly reject him and rely upon human ingenuity and resources that they feel they can trust instead. If we're the Lord's people, we must never forget that it is God our Saviour the Lord Jesus Christ, who strengthens those who seek him and he gives them peace. He gives them peace in knowing that they can rest in the fact that God is sovereign over all the events of history. We can rest in him because we know that when we truly seek him, we will find him. And he will come to us in our time of need. And we can trust him because he's the God who strengthens and gives peace to those who earnestly seek him. So, brothers and sisters, on a day when we know that there's been such sad trouble in London yesterday, and tragically there might be trouble again today, in a world where we see conflicts in so many places and so many people suffering in different contexts and circumstances, do we find our rest in the Lord? Do we accept the diagnosis of the Lord Jesus regarding this age in which we live, that this is the time of birth pains, the time of the troubling of the nations, but the birth pains are bearable, because they offer the promise of blessing. Do we really acknowledge and draw comfort from the truth of our Saviour's sovereign rule over all things? Do we know that we've been united to Christ through repentance and faith? Do we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us as he promised, even to the end of of the ages. And do we know that he is our source of strength for today and all our tomorrows and that in him
is the true source of peace. Well, to know those things was the desire of the Lord for Judah and Asa in the days recorded in this passage. And it's true for the Lord's people today. So let's be truly those who earnestly and eagerly seek the Lord, who walk in his ways and seek to serve him with all our heart and soul. Let's just take a moment, shall we, to be quiet before the Lord and then I'll, I'll pray. Father, we thank you for the remarkable way in which you intervened for Asa, for the way in which you blessed him and the people as they took you at your word and trusted you. And we thank you, loving Heavenly Father, that we too can trust you and know that you will give us peace, even in the face of the distresses that are being faced in the world today. We thank you that you promised to us that if we earnestly seek you, we will find you. And we thank you, Father, too, that you have promised your peace to those who sincerely seek you. Loving, gracious God, bless us all this morning with the experience of these truths that in these troubled times we might know how to stand strong and firm and know, as Jesus promised, rest for our soul. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing once more uh, the hymn, What Gift of Grace, that uh, recognizes that in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can know that rest and peace and that presence of God which has been promised to us. We'll stand together to sing.
May grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>